This episode is brought to you by Margie Lamb, health coach and founder of Healthy and Hustlin'. Are you fed up with the dieting and the seemingly contradictory health advice out there? Do you want to feel great in your body and accomplish your goals in a way that's empowering and not overwhelming? For me, the answer was an easy yes. Five years ago, I was pushing 200 pounds. I worked out twice a day and counted my calories. I didn't really see a movement on the scale nor my body type. So I decided to check my ego and call up a health coach. Margie, as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, works with each client as a guide and mentor to build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that will help you reach your health goals. She offers free one-hour initial consultations. To learn more, visit her website, www.healthyandhustlin.com. That's www.healthyandhustlin, spelled H-U-S-T-L-I-N.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to Defining Moments Podcast. Get on social media. Find us on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. On Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D-E-F Moments Pod. We're on all sorts of podcasting platforms from Google to iTunes, iHeartRadio to Spotify. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it. We're also on YouTube so you can see the video edition. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it if you believe in it. And no matter what, show some appreciation today, every day, because someone is always rooting you on. Have you ever ever read a story, a short story, and you're so enamored by it and intrigued by that you wish you could reach out to the original author of the story? My name is Wong Lim, your host of Defining Moments Podcast. And my name is Margie Lam, the editor and producer of Defining Moments Podcast. That's exactly what we did. We read a Medium post by three-time national champion on the OU Men's Gymnastics team, Peter Daggett. Read a story, reached out to him, and within two, three days, we met up with him for some coffee and had a great, amazing conversation. Peter... Thank you for getting us set up with RespondFlow. We've been really excited to hear your pitch and hope you do amazing things with the company. We know you will, and we're rooting you on for doing that. Speaking of pitch, that's exactly what we wondered what your next mission would be after being a student athlete, after being a gymnast. Looks like you're well on your way. We are definitely rooting you on, like my wife said. We appreciate you, man. We look forward to this journey with you. Welcome back to the Finding Moments Podcast. My name is Wong Lam, and today's very special guest is the co-founder of Respawn Flow and a three-time national champion gymnast at the University of Oklahoma on the men's gymnastics team, Peter Daggett. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Thanks so much for having me, man. Absolutely, yeah, man. It's great to be here. Boomer Sooner, brother. Thank you, Boomer Sooner. Yeah, man. Before we get started, mm-hmm. look to your right on that red tray. There's a little note that my oh. wife and I wrote for you. Don't read it out loud, but that's just something for you before we start the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Absolutely, man. Awesome. And then there's also that shirt. Oh, sweet. You have your Respond Flow shirt. Now you have a Defining Moments podcast shirt. Sweet. Got to rep that. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, man. Sweet. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. How's your day been? It's been pretty good. You yeah. know, um, yesterday I actually, um, I graduated from OU yesterday. So nice. that was pretty exciting. And, right. you know, did a little small celebration with my roommates last night. And then pretty much all today has been, uh, you know, working, setting up some, uh, some new CRM tools and just kind of having a weekly alignment meeting for RespondFlow that we do every uh, Sunday. And yeah, just uh, now I'm here. Right on. Yeah. Small celebration or big celebration? What did What do you mean by small celebration? You know, it, it was a small celebration, just the four of us. Um, you know, it was kind of um, graduation was something that was not. I wasn't as excited to graduate as, you know, maybe a typical student, you know, because my graduation kind of felt like it came at the end of my senior season with gymnastics. And that mm -hmm. was my, you know, that was this past uh, April. Um, and, you know, since then, you know, I didn't have any classes over the summer and, you know, I joined the respond flow team. I was only in six hours, so it wasn't taking up a huge chunk of my time. And I was pretty much focused, you know, about 95% on respond flow um, and just kind of given what I have left over to maintain my, uh, finish out my graduation. Yeah. 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 You mentioned respond flow. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's talk respond flow. Yeah. It's, it's a text messaging app. Uh, give, give us some more background on this. Yeah. So, uh, in a nutshell, respond flow is a SMS software for businesses that gives them the tools they need to communicate better with their customers, help them grow their sales and increase customer loyalty. So basically, uh, what we allow people to do is use our tool, um, to take a local 10 digit number. So like if we're around here, it'd be a 405 number and, you know, send out mass messages that feel like they've been written by a human. Um, so like, you know, each message will be personalized with everybody's first name. And what's awesome about it is people can actually respond to these messages and build a, you know, kind of open up a dialogue of communication via text. Ooh. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily see from a lot of the other uh, text message automation companies, you know, you're probably used to, you know, I'm sure anybody who's watching or listening or is used to getting, you know, a five digit text from, you know, AT&T or whatever saying, yeah. you know, saying that your account has been updated, but that's not communication. That's right. notification. Mm. When you get that message, you don't feel like you are seen or heard. You just feel like you're a number on a list. Gotcha. And that's not what we want. We want you to feel like a human when when businesses are trying to communicate with you. It's just, and the businesses, they want to communicate with you like a human. They mm -hmm. just don't necessarily have the time to go and write each person an individual message. It, it's not efficient that way. So we're essentially trying to provide that same high human touch that allows people to open up a dialogue via, via text or yeah. even call. Um, through sending out, you know, automated outreach uh, messages. So, you know, that can come in lots of different forms. That can come from, you know, like a, a lead capture form on a website. Mm -hmm. So like you put your information in and then you get a automated text message that has your first name asking you, you know, what, you, uh, like how I can help. Yeah. Um, it can be, you know, if you're a, you know, like a physical retail shop, you want to run a, a special and you want to send all your customers uh, deals via, via the phone number. It's great for that too. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just also as a customer service tool, like if your customers ever have any issues, they know this is the one place they can go. They can just text you. It's simpler for them. Everyone hates email nowadays. No one reads them. <laughs> so it's kind of a, you know, you get the personalization of email with the, you know, 
deliverability, open rates, and communication yeah. of text message. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I, I like texting because I feel like it's more of a uh, personal type of message than it is just a batch like 88051 from, let's say, AT&T. Exactly. Hey, Wong, your uh, phone bills do or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it... A lot of it, you know, it, it may seem like we're just automating a process that is, you know, meant to be human. But really what we're trying to do is automate the first part, the part that takes all of the time consuming, mm. uh, you know, those all those minutes and hours in the day that you could be spending, you know, typing out each individual message, hitting send or copying, pasting, whatever. Right. We're trying to take that and consolidate it down to where the only people that you actually, you know, spend your time communicating with are the ones that are responding, that are, you know, texting you back that are that want to communicate with you you're not focusing your time with the people that are like hey, i don't care you know and that's really uh that's really what has um you know it's really been uh showing some awesome results for our customers mm-hmm. and i think that's been part of what's been able to set us apart so far dude that's yeah. awesome so thank you let, if i get your service and let's say it's defining moments podcast mm-hmm and I want to text you and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Why, thank you. You as well. <laughs> I appreciate it. Would it be Peter? And then what would it say? Can we customize this? You can customize every single message. Okay. Um, you know, you wow. can use those, you know, dynamic attributes like first and last name. Um, we're about to... Uh, launch a feature here in the next couple of weeks to where you can put any sort of dynamic field you want in there. Mm-hmm. And that'll be pretty cool to have. Um, but yeah, you can write each message out, just template it super simple and, you know, schedule it to send whenever you want. Man, get out of town. So how, how's this going to work? Uh, then I'm trying to think of this, this template. So when you receive a message from Defining Moments Podcast, mm-hmm. or would it be from Defining Moments Podcast, or how would this be? Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, one thing that I always recommend to people um, when they're sending out like their all their messages um, is not to, you know, say this is Defining Moments Podcast per right. se. You'd say this is Huang from Defining Moments yeah, Podcast. Yeah. You right. want to introduce yourself because you don't talk to a business; you talk to people at a yeah. business or an organization or a podcast or whatever it may right. be. Um, because people don't want to communicate with businesses. They don't want to communicate with robots. They want to communicate with humans. Yeah. So I always recommend like, make sure you introduce yourself. But um, you know what it would look like for you is you would write up a, a message that you'd say, hey, and then you would just click like a first name button and that would auto populate based on each contact. Okay. Um, so you really, all you would see is like some brackets that said first name in it, just like a typical email software. Okay. Um, and then, you know, something like this is Fong from uh, Defining Moments podcast. Uh, just wanted to wish you a, you know, Merry Christmas and yeah. Happy Holidays. Or, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So then it, you could send it out as a batch and they, mm-hmm. and then you could reply to it. Yes, it's exactly. Like, hey, man, I appreciate the message or hey, do whatever, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Yep. And then it's super easy for you to jump on and, you know, jump into that two-way communication if I choose to respond or, you know, if, uh, you know, if you're just wanting to engage in general two-way communication, just like a regular text, you can yeah. do that as well. Dude, that is fantastic, Thank man. you. Holy Thank you. cow. Yeah. How did, 
all this come about, man? Yeah. So um, I did not come up with the idea. Um, so our CEO, Martin Lean, he came up with the idea. Um, I think, you know, just just over, you know, a year and a couple months ago, yeah. you know, he's he's working at a, at a company and, you know, they do a lot of uh, business to consumer outreach and their email uh, open rates were just awful. They were trying to cold call and who picks up the phone nowadays, right? Yeah. And, you know, they wanted to go in and send these text messages. But, you know, the first problem is, is, you know, he doesn't want his sales team just using their personal phone numbers to text people. Yeah. And second of all, there was no real way to go and, you know, send out this automated text message that felt like it was coming from a person. Yeah. And then third, there was no way for people to actually call back to that number, which is kind of uh, what they wanted people to do when they were sending out these messages. Yeah. So uh, basically what happened was, um, you know, Martin found, uh, was started looking for a developer, met up with uh, Austin Graham, our CTO, and then uh, another co-founder, Matt Morphopoulos, joined the team and he uh, kind of introduced me to the group. Yeah. We all came on together and um, launched it in June of this past year and Man. just been uh, growing since then. Wow, dude. So, and, and you talk and you have alignment meetings. Yes. So is this a quote unquote staff meeting? You can call it a staff meeting. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just like an all hands on deck meeting. Just, yeah. you know, the reason that we call it alignment meetings was, um, you know, right around the time when we were getting started and, you know, there was, you know, um, we started bringing a couple more people on the team and then it's like, wow, okay, this is a lot. We need to make sure that we are staying, you know, aligned as a group and maintaining yeah. the type of culture that we want, making sure that, you know, when we set action items and we say, okay, these are the things that I'm going to do this week, they actually get done yeah. forming some, uh, you know, accountability systems and things like that. Man, I like it. Hey, Thank I, you. I think the phrase alignment meeting is way better than just your normal weekly staff meeting, mm -hmm. you know, because that's too general. But the yeah. alignment is make sure everyone's congruent mm -hmm. with the thoughts and ideas and what we're saying is all in line, man. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I started following uh, Respond Flow actually, and then I put two and two together because I actually read a story that you had written, you know, and mm -hmm. we talked about these defining moments on this podcast and your story captured my heart. And it captured just, I was very inquisitive. After reading that, I got chills. I actually read it three, four times. Wow. So Thank you. you know, that it, means a lot. No, it, was, it, was it really a, does. It was well written, man. And if you don't mind sharing with our listeners and our viewers you know, what what you went through when, from start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when he, when he refers to my story, he's uh, talking about the Medium article that I wrote. Um, you know, I think it was maybe three, four months ago now, and uh, titled 99 and 1, Serenity in the Struggle. So it was really the story of my college career as a OU gymnast. Um, and, you know, kind of, I, when I when I came in, it was really, you know, I didn't, I didn't quite understand the what I was walking into, you know, I had been a, I had been a successful junior gymnast. I had come from a, a relatively uh, well-known gymnastics family. And, um, you know, I really didn't know, I didn't, you know, nobody really does when they walk into a new situation like that, like, what is this going to be? And, you know, I found out as I had kind of, you know, moved through the process a little bit, I really didn't know how to work hard in a way that was going to be the most effective and help me 
you know, grow to be the gymnast that I needed to be in order to help my team. And, you know, a lot of those things were not just, you know, it's not just working hard. It's like anybody can just just work hard, do one more turn. It's about doing the right things. It's about, you know, having the right mentality and wanting the right things. You know, you can want something, you know, if it's a if it's a thing, you can want it so, so much. But if it's not aligned with what's going to get you to the place that you want to go, mm-hmm. it's not going to help you progress. You're yeah. just going to you're just going to stagnate and. You know, that's kind of what happened to me all throughout my, you know, freshman year of college. Um, you know, going into my my sophomore year, it kind of started to pick up. I started to figure some things out. Um, and then, you know, I, I ended up getting a bit concussed near the end of that uh, preseason. And that uh, set me back to, you know, where I was having a really hard time figuring it, figuring it out again, struggling. Um, but, you know, eventually I kind of came across this very specific moment that I was, you know, down in the dumps and it was just my absolute low of lows when, um, you know, I was expecting to go compete at this competition, um, in Iowa and I was already on two lineups to compete on two different events for that weekend. Um, it was a Wednesday. I came into the gym and the assignment was basically me competing for those spots with my other teammates. And I was not prepared for that. I was prepared for a light day. Um, you know, those, uh, and both of those little mini competitions, I ended up, you know, doing really poorly on after I had, you know, done poorly on the first one, I, you know, my brain was gone. I was like, I was not in the right mindset to be, you know, competing for something like that. And it was really just that day was, was one of the, the lowest points that I can, I'd say the lowest point that I can possibly remember. Um, kind of uh, um i'll get to the others later on but you know there's a moment that uh you know after all all this workout my coach kind of you know pulled me aside and was talking to me and it's like you know it's like he he told me you know why do you why are you here not not saying like why are you here like go like what is it that is keeping you here what is it that is you know you know pushing you and you know I've, I'm thinking about this and you know can't really come up with you know solid answer I can you know I can say things but he knows me better than I know myself at this point yeah. and you know it kind of is it, he said to me you know you can want to do this for the team you can want to do this for whoever but at the end of the day you have to want it for you mm. and when he said that it really it really took me back because yeah, we we come from such a strong team culture and team mentality that we almost never focus on the individual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of, when he said that, I really started to think about it. And what I ended up, you know, surmising from that is you can't want something for for your team or your organization or somebody else if you don't want it for yourself first. Mm. You have to You have to want to be... You know, he told me you, you have to want to be the best version of Peter Daggett that you want to be. Ooh. And that that was really when when I figured out that that was, you know, what I was truly missing. That really helped to, you know, kind of catapult me to the the next level. Um, you know, a couple of weeks after that, I had a individual competition that was, uh, you know, not OU based where I kind of had an opportunity to go and, you know, show that I was uh, deserving to go and compete in lineups. 
And I went out and had one of the best competitions that I could have possibly had at that time um, and earned myself a couple lineup spots, which I was able to um, maintain for that uh, pretty much the entirety of that, the rest of that season. You know, I started, uh, you know, doing better and better every competition and was really picking it up. And it was such a, such a really, such an incredibly awesome time to, you know, go from having so much, so many struggles to like really feel like I was, you know, killing it, having huge successes. And that was, that was such a, such a high point that I remember and, you know, going to, you know, going, showing up to NCAAs, I was, I couldn't have possibly been more excited. Um, you know, we were, we were just coming off a, a two a consecutive, two consecutive national championships, one of which I was on the team for, but I didn't get to compete. Um, so coming into my sophomore year, I was so excited to contribute to a national championship. Um, and, you know, we were, I think we got there on a, on a Tuesday and the first day of competition was on a Friday. That Tuesday was our first day of training. Um, you know, we had we had flown in that morning, and you know, I was feeling great. I was you know doing everything really well. Um, and coming close to the end of practice, you know, I was I was finishing up my high bar workout. I had done pretty much every skill in my routine. There was one that I wanted to redo. Did redid it perfectly fine. And then I thought to myself in that turn, oh yeah, I sh the only skill in my entire routine that I haven't done is this. It, I'm not going to go into the explanation because it's it's not even worth explaining. Yeah. But uh, what ended up happening was I just really wasn't focusing on what I was doing and mm -hmm. uh, did this turn, missed my hand, and ended up you know kind of peeling off the bar and uh, found out later uh, later um, after the competition that I had torn my ACL. Um, which I, I was pretty certain of at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up competing the first day. Didn't go too well. Um, I was wearing a really big brace and, you know, I was neglecting to pay attention to all of the other things that I have to, you know, make sure are ready to go to compete. Because yeah. um, I'm so worried about my knee, you know, doing the landing, ended mm -hmm. up falling on my face. So my coach took me out for the team finals and, you know, that was, that was devastating to me. Um, yeah. It was a really hard time, but I was never in my life more motivated than right after that. So after the that NCAA championships that our team ended up uh, taking again, you know, I went uh, back into the gym with vengeance like I'd never had before. <laughs> um, had my surgery a few weeks afterwards, and was you know you just couldn't get me out of the gym at that point. It's yeah. like I would be there you know five six hours a day um, by my own by my choice. Like yeah. there was no one that was telling me that I needed to do this. This was all that I wanted to do. Yeah. And that essentially allowed me to, you know, become the best gymnast that I ever was in that time period. Um, you know, I was, I was working really hard for, I was working like crazy for so, so long and, you know, rolling into preseason, still doing really, really well going all the way, you know, getting through the, you know, the beginning parts of that was, uh, had no no issues was killing it and then you know one day i we were it was our first day that we were doing two routines on three events so mm. we would go we would go to um you know high bar uh what was it high bar floor and pommel horse i think 
I don't remember. Uh, maybe maybe vault parallel bars, high bar. I can't remember, but um, we would do two of our routines on each of those events. And uh, that day we were starting on high bar. I did my first routine perfectly fine and was a little gassed out after the second one. Yeah. Decided to go for my dismount any, anyways, which probably wasn't you know overly safe looking back on it now, considering I was only, you know, six months out of my previous ACL surgery. Right. And, you know, I, I ended up landing really short, regardless of whether I had torn it previously or not, I would have done it again. Mm. And yeah, I, that was kind of my other, you know, really, really low. Um, you know, I came, I landed on the ground and I was laying on my back. I, I just remember screaming and not in agony, just in pure frustration yeah. just like you know the the amount that i had put into this how much i had given was more than anything that i could have yeah i i mean i looking back on that moment it's just it's all kind of a blur because it's just like i remember it so it's a blur yet i remember so vividly how how like it felt like it like so much had just been stolen from me in that instant. Like I had given everything to becoming the best possible gymnast that I could have ever been. And in just one instant, it's gone. Yeah. And you know, that's not true. You know, there's, there's obviously there's more to the story, but you know, when you're, when you're in those moments, it's so hard to look beyond the fact that you've been, you know, working so hard for something for so long and have, you know, you'd see success and then it just gets stolen and then you start to really see some success and then it just gets stolen again. And it just kind of felt like one thing over, over and over again. And then, um, you know, that was, yeah, it was a really, it was really low point for me. Um, after that, you know, for the next few weeks, I would kind of go back and forth between whether I wanted to try and compete without an ACL that season, or if I wanted to get surgery. Um, and I ended up opting that I wanted to get surgery. Just, I just didn't want to, I was at that point, I was just so, I was so lost and yeah. I was like, you know, if I tried to go and compete it, I don't think it would have worked out very well for me. My, I wasn't mentally there and I wouldn't have mentally been there for my teammates the way that I should have been. Um, but you know, uh, after, after I had my surgery, which was, uh, December 28th of 2017. Um, I then, you know, it, that was a, that recovery was a lot slower and a lot more painful than my, my previous one. Um, my previous one, you know, I was off crutches in a day. I, wow. this one, I was on them for, you know, week and a half, two weeks and in agony, I got sick. I was just feeling so awful. I was, I was having a hard time with my therapy. I didn't want to do it. I wasn't yeah. motivated. And, you know, it, it was just really hard. And eventually, you know, about a month after that, I started to get past the really difficult part and I was kind of on my way to recovery. Um, you know, starting to do a little more gymnastics, starting to get back into it, you know, planning to, you know, just get ready for this next season. And then, you know, things as they tend to do, um, they, uh, I don't know, on one unassuming Sunday, I started to feel a little pain in my stomach and ended up having to go to the emergency room that night to have my appendix removed. Oh my Just gosh. like two, not even two months after that previous ACL surgery, about a month and a half. And at this point, you know, I'm just like, 
as much as it hurts to laugh when you have your appendix <laughs> out, I'm just laughing at myself. Like what else could possibly happen? It's yeah. just like there, there's nothing left for me to do except laugh about the situation. Yeah. Just because it's like, well, what else could possibly happen to me now? Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what could possibly be next. I don't want to know what could be po <laughs> could possibly be next. Uh, but you know, I think I think having that outlook of kind of laughing about the situation, like, oh my god, this couldn't possibly get worse, was a really good thing for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and as much as it wasn't wasn't good that I had to you know set myself back another couple of weeks from that. Um, I think it it was kind of it helped me reset my brain a little bit. Um, and I'd say probably month after that. So at this point, we're probably we're probably about a month and a half out from our NCAA championships, which were in the middle of April. So um, what is that? Uh, February, March. Yeah. This so it's beginning of March. Yeah, yeah. Beginning of March. Yeah. Um, and you know, going into the training room every day, still got to do my rehab. I hated it. It sucked. I had already done it <laughs> once before, but you know, I was going through it again and I was, I was over in the pool. Um, you know, we, they have a, like a little like running pool. So I was like just yeah. starting to, you know, do a little actual movement on my knee, just not full weight. And I remember, you know, my trainer, Jenna, just saying, you know, you know, there's a chance that if if that you could be ready to compete at NCAA's and I was like really like <laughs> but you know as much as I didn't quite believe it that was really all that I needed to hear yeah and from that moment on I was just head down doing every single possible thing that I could have done to get myself to be ready to compete at NCAA's yeah I did my first landing on the hard ground at our conference championships, like at all. Like, I think it was just a backflip off of the rings. Um, and just landing was like, okay, I can do it. My knee's still stable. You know, I've got this giant brace on, which I always hated using. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I could do it. And I think, you know, I would just, I was doing routines without the, the dismount where I would be landing on, uh, rings and parallel bars. Um, just trying to get ready to, if I could contribute on one of those or both of those events, it would be, you know, everything that I wanted. And I think the first, the first real landings that I did were the Monday, the first landings in a routine that I did were Monday before we left for the NCAA championships. Mm. And I ended up, you know, getting scores on both rings and parallel bars that would have put me, I think, at the second highest scores in our, our lineups on those events. So wow. that kind of gave, you know, my coach the opportunity to, you know, think, okay, maybe this is, maybe he can do it and gave, gave me a little bit of that trust and, I think, you know, a combination of that and the trust that I got from my teammates, um, you know, they, they believed in me and they wanted to see me do this. Um, they've decided to put me in on both parallel bars and rings for the, uh, for the prelims rings. I ended up getting a little short on my dismount, but 
after that routine, I was just kind of, you know, I was just happy that I had done it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we went to parallel bars later where I did a better routine and stayed on my feet and got a good score. And, you know, at the meeting afterwards, uh, our team decided that, uh, between our team and my coach decided they were going to take me out of rings, but they wanted to leave me in on parallel bars. So, um, going into that, uh, team finals competition the next day, you know, we were, we were a little nervous, but not nervous or we excited. Yeah. Um, so this was our, um, this is our attempting to be the fourth year in a row that we win a national championship along with an undefeated season. We had, you know, not, including myself, our team had had 15 surgeries and lost over half of our lineup that won the previous national championship. So oh my over 50% of the team of the routines that won the last year had been completely wiped out by a combination of surgeries, um, you know, and guys just graduating. Yeah. So we were, you know, that whole year, it was a, a struggle for the entire group of us. And, um, you know, coming into that night, it was like, okay, this is all, this is that one specific moment. And we really, we gave it, we gave it everything we had that night. And, you know, coming, we were, we were doing pretty well. And then we had some mistakes on rings and that put us a little bit behind after our vault rotation, we ended up picking it up and cutting the lead really close. I think we might've even gotten the lead back just a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after that, there's only two events left parallel bars and high bar. Um, I was second up on parallel bars. I, our first guy went up, he did a pretty good routine. And, you know, it was just finally, finally the, the moment that I had been, you know, kind of dreaming of since I had, you know, started, started training at OU was being able to represent my team at a NCAA, uh, championship final. And I just remember going up there and kind of closing, closing my eyes, kind of more, maybe more symbolically than anything and just thinking to myself like you're here you've done it you've you know you've gone you've gone the distance at this point and the only thing out here that matters is you and the bars Mm. this thing that you've i mean been doing this sport since i was since i was born i mean i was born into this sport and (laughs) it finally being able to you know go in and uh you know give it everything that that specific routine was it was a a moment that i will never forget just i remember getting like kind of close to the end and it's just like i was so in the moment and at the same time cherishing it it was just there's nothing that could have possibly gone wrong in the handstand before I do a swing down for my dismount. And, you know, I kind of, I used to be really, one of the things I was good at was sticking my parallel bar dismount. I did it all the time. And I was, I was so sure of myself in that handstand, swung down, did my dismount, double pike backwards, stuck the landing, no movement and just erupted and just erupted in emotion and just pure, passion for everything that I had 
work towards and everything that I had like had to go through to get to this one specific moment. And, you know, my team kind of felt the same way. They're all, they're all going crazy down there. And yeah, I hope some of them get a chance to listen to this because I think it'll, you know, kind of trigger some memories when, when they read the article, a lot of them told me that they teared up kind of remembering that moment because Mm. it wasn't just symbolic for me. It was symbolic for everybody on our team that, you know, this is, this is what we had all gone through and like to finally push through and break through to that one moment. That's kind of, um, it, it meant a lot to everybody and obviously myself and all of our coaching staff. And it was, it was so incredible. Uh, I, that is, that is without a doubt the culmination of my gymnastics career right there. And it was, it was so special for everybody. Um, and you know, that, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was pretty much it after that, after that routine, everybody else went up, finished their parallel bar routines really well. I'm sure there were some nerves still, but I think we were all a little bit reassured and we kind of knew that we, we had it at that point. All we had to do was just do, do our jobs, finish up and we would have it. And everybody did, did a great job, ended up, you know, taking over and clinching the title right there at the end. And yeah, it was, it was a feeling like no other to, to go up, represent my team and win a national championship like that. It just to, to go through so much to get to that that spot where I can finally contribute was, uh, so is, was, and will forever be so meaningful to mm-hmm. me and, and my team and my coaches. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that we, um, this is actually the, the national championship ring oh, let's that we designed out. from that competition. Um, and you know, wow. my, my personal favorite part of that ring is on the sides it says um battle scarred battle tested and that was something that kind of came from a Mm. team meeting that we had had and right before the the championships where you know we were talking about you know a lot of a lot of the teams in the past that had gone out there and won national championships before us they were they were nothing but battle tested they had been you know they had done everything they possibly could they were in great shape they had healthy teams they were you know whatever mm-hmm. and they were just battle tested and ready oh, man. but this team that we had pulled together was not just battle tested but we were battle scarred and that wow. was we we had given everything blood sweat and tears put it all into that that championship and it's so, so awesome, cool man. that we that we came out with it God. but I do want to say that one of the most important things about one of the most important things that I learned that day came after, after that routine. I remember this is very vivid moment as well in my head, you know, standing down on the floor after that routine, after kind of, you know, a little relaxing a little bit, just remember thinking to myself, okay, and now it's over. So it it was kind of like that, you know, realization. And I think this is something that I already knew, but you know, it's it's sometimes hard to remember in the moment that no matter how exciting it is and no matter how hard you've been working towards something, when you achieve it, yeah. It's there for for just a moment. Yeah. And that's all that it is. And you have to cherish it, but you have to remember 
that it only lasts for that one second. It only lasts for that one minute, whatever it may be. And that was a really important lesson that I learned, I think, kind of between, you know, previous things that I had done in, in that moment. But I never really felt it until there. It's like, wow, that's it. That's 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 the moment right there is what everything that I've been been just working towards that I'd been, you know, grinding, giving everything to. That yeah. was it. And all right. What? It's depressing. It's it's almost depressing, <laughs> right? But it's it's not at the same time because that's that's what gives things that's what gives you the motivation to keep going is because if mm. you if you find something that you're so driven towards and you all you want to do is give something towards it, you give everything to it, then you achieve it, and then well, what's next? That's yeah. all you can say is what's next yeah. because it. There's nothing else you can do except either dwell on the past or move on to something new. And that those things are what have really taught me that, you know, you as much as the moment is the thing that you strive towards and the thing that you give everything for, it's not the moment that matters. It's the journey. It's mm. every step along the way that you take and every, you know, Every every moment that you hate and the only thing that you want to do is give up, do something else. Just just to you just want to give yourself a break, but but you keep pushing, you keep working towards this one thing. And even though that one thing really doesn't matter, yeah. you just keep going toward towards it. And even when you know that the one thing that you're going towards will only give you a moment of happiness, yeah. you keep pushing towards it. And I think that it's such an important thing for people to realize when they're, you know, trying to achieve something extraordinary is that when you get the thing that you want, you're going to be happy for five minutes. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you might be happy about it for a while. You might, I mean, yeah. I'm always going to be happy about the things that I achieve, but the, the moment is what is, is not what matters. It's the, it's everything that leads up to it. Right. And because it only lasts for such a short, short time. Yeah. And yeah. just being being proud of your journey and knowing that you that you give everything towards trying to achieve this one thing yeah. gives you should give you you know a feeling of calmness in in the things that you're trying to achieve and that you're doing the things that you want to be doing and that you're trying to that you're doing the right things yeah. for you yeah. And I know it definitely gives gives me a feeling of, of calmness. And, you know, that was kind of why I titled the the piece Serenity in the Struggles, mm. because, it, you know, you give you give everything and you, you hate you hate it. Yeah. And if, if you if you can understand that this is this is the part that really, really makes you this is the part that that shapes you as an individual and that really matters mm -hmm. the part that you hate is where you find that that bit of serenity yeah. in it, you know man i love that dude thank you it's it's almost like you went you went to two acls and appendix and those words from jenna your trainer mm -hmm. gave you the the confidence it's so interesting how just words or a phrase from certain people would just get your mojo going again yeah right? What a, when you go back to the first moment and your coach pulled you over and said, hey, Peter, you got to do it for yourself. What did your coach see or what did your coach hear that 
made him ask you that question? I think he, I think he saw that, you know, I, that I wanted, he, he saw that, he saw something that nobody had really ever been able to see before. He saw that I had been doing this for the wrong reasons. And I think I had been doing a, a lot of what I had been doing had been for the wrong reasons for a long time. You know, because my, you know, my entire career was, you know, it, it was built off the basis of, you know, the relationship between myself and my father. My mm -hmm. father was, was my coach and was a, you know, incredibly successful gymnast. Right. Um, and, you know, growing up with that, it's kind of, you know, it's really easy to let yourself do it for someone else. And I think when I came to OU, that kind of, I kind of let that, you know, transfer a little towards my team. And, you know, I would just, I would do it for the team. And, you know, that, that's a phrase that you, that you hear a lot. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't seem like a bad thing. It doesn't seem like it's a bad thing that you're doing it for your team. But if there's nothing that's for you, that's not going to work because if you don't want something, then why the hell would you want it for anybody yeah. else? Yeah. You know? And I think he saw that, that I, I had these, you know, misaligned motivations mm. and not, not motivate, not motivation. I think just, just misalignment between what I needed and what I was doing, yeah. what, what I needed to, with the mindset that I needed to, you know, allow me to, train the way that I needed to in order to get the thing that I wanted. And what I wanted was to contribute to the team. Yeah. But in order to do that, I had to want it for myself first. Yeah. yeah. I, your coach is wise. Because that he is. It's very, Thank you, Mark. Yeah. I hope you're watching. Thanks, Coach Mark. That is so important because if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of anyone. And no exactly. matter how great your team is, if, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't help the greatness of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so you got to be able to respond to those type of moments. Definitely. And actually flow in them. Yeah. Get it? Respond flow? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Shameless man. plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ugh. Man, so this is a national championship ring that you're most proud of. Mm -hmm. I remember reading in your story that you felt... I don't know if it's uncomfortable or you felt like you didn't really contribute in the first national championship. Yeah. I mean, I, to, to get right down to it, I didn't. Yeah. And that's something that will always bother me a little bit. And yeah. you know, the, the first national championship that I was the national championship team that I was a part of, um, was 2016. And I, you know, that season, I really didn't, I really couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out the things that I needed to do to get myself to be in a position to where I could contribute to the team. Mm. Yeah, it really, it really meant a lot more to me to the, the third time around, um, you know, because I, I did, I, I sat on the bench for, for two national championships, not just one. You know, the second one was, you know, that was, in a lot of ways out of my control. I, I don't want to ever say completely out of my control because I will, anything that is an action of mine, I feel like is, uh, is in some ways in my control, but yeah. you know, I tore my ACL two days before and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the most stable competitor. <laughs> so I was, you know, with that, that kind of uh, messed me up enough to where I wasn't able to go and compete the second day. But you know, the, 
the the hardest part about about that whole thing for me was my freshman year I had you know come in with such a you know such a large gymnastics background I've been doing it since I was literally born Um, and coming up through through the sport into college I kind of you know I didn't I didn't know how to do it like I like I had mentioned earlier I didn't know how to work hard I didn't know how to do the right things and it made it really hard for me to contribute you know like a team like OU is not like competing on any other team it is a different level and there's a reason that we've won you know the past four national championships or not the past four um that we won four national championships in a row and won five undefeated seasons in a row or regular seasons um and that's just because we do things that others aren't willing to do um I think a good example of that is like going in and doing pommel horse in the mornings at yeah. 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, you know, we do our pommel horse routines before all of our competitions. You know, sometimes our our other the other teams that are competing against us walk in, in the mornings and they look at us like, oh my God, what are those guys doing? It's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I think some of them have started doing it because they've started to figure out since then. But um, anyways, you know, competing on a team like OU is not like just competing. Yeah. It's a different level. And making that as a freshman who really didn't understand how to work hard is something that's really hard to do. Yeah. So when I, you know, after my freshman year, I was kind of starting to figure out that, you know, I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't doing the right things. And when I started to kind of pick it up and started to improve a little bit, you know, going into my sophomore year, one of the things that always motivated me was we we actually got after that national championship we got a new banners in the gym so we had this big banner of the national championship team from the previous year on the on the podium yeah and i just remember like looking up at it all the time and just looking at myself on there and thinking like i never want to feel that feeling again mm. just like you know, the feeling of false, false victory is what it felt like, even though it wasn't a false victory for my team. It was kind of a, you know, it felt like I was, you know, kind of claiming a trophy that I didn't earn. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if I a hundred percent agree that I, that I didn't earn it per se. I didn't contribute to winning that, but you know, it, it takes a lot more than just a, it takes a lot more than just the team that goes and competes out on the floor to win a national championship. I don't know. I couldn't say for sure if, uh, you know, I truly did contribute in some way, shape or form, but I feel, I, I like to think that I did at least looking back on it now. Um, I know I did a little more on my sophomore year, but, um, you know, going through every day, looking up and saying, I don't want to feel like that ever again. And then just kind of, you know, it was, it was something that stuck with me throughout that entire year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I, when I was finally getting there, it's like, okay, like when I finally started to pick it up, it's like, okay, yes, yes. Like I'm not, I know I can avoid that. And then, you know, that kind of, that didn't exactly happen. You know, I yeah. went and I tore my ACL and it was like, it, it felt, it, it was almost worse that time because it was, it really felt, it was worse the second time because I, it felt stolen instead mm-hmm. of just like I didn't do what I needed to do. It felt like I had yeah. done it and I had put the work in and I was ready and then it was taken. Yeah. And I think, you know, the culmination of both of those things kind of gave me 
that such a huge amount of motivation going into my junior year that really allowed me to, you know, first off, become the best gymnast that I ever was and then come back from another ACL in time to go and compete for a national championship. Yeah. Do do you happen to have the rings for was it so or sixteen? So six, your yes, year? 16, 17, 17, 18, 18. and then we do have one for my senior year, nineteen, but it's just yeah. a conference ring. Yeah. Um, yes, I actually do have those. I'll check those out too, man. Yeah, of course. Wow. Gotta bring the rings. So this is my freshman year. Oops. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. It's good thing we got carpet. Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Dang. So is it, what's this number one mean? So it, it was just just a number Boomer. one. Sooner. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I feel like the Nick Saban commercial, you know? Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, so this is my this is my sophomore year. Which way would you wear it? Where when you people I usually wear it, yeah, that way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was my sophomore year. Dang. Yeah. This was legit too. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And then my junior is the one there. And then this is yeah. our conference ring for my senior year. I like it. Yeah. Definitely not my not my favorite ring. But you know, it's it is what it is. We got I got to win, you know, three national championships while I was at OU. And Dude. I can't complain about anything uh, yeah. like that, you know. Hundred yeah. percent, man. You know, you talked about you didn't feel like you were contributing in uh, sixteen. But my my thought is, man, you don't get a ring if you don't contribute. Yeah, I mean, you're part of a Mm -hmm. team, and I I think it's important that when you go back and look at that, you you did contribute. Yeah, and the progression from that moment on to look where you are now. Yeah, you know what? Speaking of where you are now, what's your next mission? I mean, you went, you're going from a collegiate student athlete. To graduating, and what's the next mission for you, man? Next mission, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Next mission is taking responsibility to the next level. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's been a a journey already in the past. You know, what has it been? Seven months since since I've joined the team. Yeah, and you know, it's really, really just starting to take off. Um, You know, we're getting more clients all the time, and we're always looking for new clients. Um, just hoping that we're going to be able to, you know, raise some investment money here relatively soon. Um, and then, you know, just kind of, uh, continue growing it and continue, you know, facing those, those struggles in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I, I finished gymnastics and then, you know, right away it's like, if I hadn't found something like this, if I hadn't found Responflow and the guys that I'm with now, I would be in such a rut. I have to have something. I, that's just mm. the kind of person that I am. I have to have something that yeah. I'm chasing towards. And it's different with Responflow now, definitely. It's it's nice because one, my body doesn't get destroyed, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's also different because it's a little bit, it's a little bit easier to not look towards that one singular moment and and just really focus on the journey with something like this, because, you know, it's not like, you know, there's a, there's a national championship for, for startups, you know, it's, (laughs) you know, eventually, yes, there's, there's moments that are, that are really exciting and that you really like 
chase towards, but there's yeah. no there's no one singular moment where it all resets at the yeah. like right after that, which is really cool. It's excuse me, it's a it's a constant uh, uphill grind. There's no downtime ever, and I absolutely love it. Mm. It's not like there's any downtime with gymnastics. It just changes seasons. Right, you know, you're either in the in the competition season or the training season. Yeah. With this, it's with Responfo, it's just kind of always in the work season. Yeah. What speaking of seasons, do you read or watch a lot of movies? Do you read a lot of books? Um, I am a I'm really an audiobook guy. Yeah. I do read from time to time, but um, you know, I, I generally I'm very um, you know, auditory learner and um I have, I have trouble sitting down, sitting still long enough to actually read a book. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, with audiobooks, I generally will listen to them like three or four times. So I feel like I really understand everything that's trying to be conveyed. And, you know, we'll, we'll write down individual notes from specific parts within the books that I uh, find really important. Um, and of course, I love, I love television and movies every now and again. But, yeah. you know, that's a lot of the times ever ever so more increasingly is on in the background while i'm not really paying attention just on my laptop doing some work <laughs> okay so with that then if you think about your uh, favorite movie or or scene from a movie or a chapter from a book what best represents your season of life right now hmm my season of life right now I don't know. That's, that's a hard, that's a hard question. I'm not. So one thing, especially, you know, when I listen to, when I listen to, to books or watch television or movies or read or whatever, I'm not really one to project myself into, into something to relate to it. Mm -hmm. I try and, I try and pull as much from it as possible and not really allow myself to, to try and I don't really channel myself in things in any way. I generally relate to things, you know, in, in a television show or movie better as people that I know in my life. Cause I feel like I, as, as much as, you know, I might be able to relate to these characters individually, I can interpret them a lot better if I am, you know, relating them to someone in yeah. my life. And a lot of the times my favorite shows tend to be ones that I can, you know, relate key characters to people that have uh, be played important roles in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, as for books, I'm really, I'm really a, a nonfiction guy. Um, and I love, you know, learning from, from great entrepreneurial minds, right. um, just kind of think the way that they think and trying to, you know, position position myself in a in a like culmination of knowledge from all the all the people that i've been able to listen to their knowledge and you know kind of steal from it yeah. <laughs> not steal but you know kind of take take bits and pieces here and there and kind of mesh it into what i want um you know my values and principles to be i like it man thank you what are a couple things that people don't really know about you man a couple things that people don't know about me um Hmm. That's a good question. I'm re I'm really a pretty open person. Um mm. I try I try and be pretty open about most everything. Um and I think that kind of allows me to 
not have to answer questions like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's funny because I, that is something that like, whenever I get asked, you know, what's something that nobody knows about you? It's like, oh, I really don't know because I try and be so open that I really never, I don't get, I don't get asked, you know, what is, I don't get asked questions like that. And it's something that I kind of, it's something that I've learned that, you know, the more open you are about yourself, the less people want to, you know, nitpick and really dig into you and figure it out. Mm. So it's, it's a little, it's kind of a little trick. Um, maybe, maybe something kind of combination of thing, something that I do on purpose and, uh, you know, intuitively that I've learned over the years that, you know, if I'm, if I'm open about, if I'm open about myself and who I am, I am first off being the realest version of myself, which is something yeah. that's important to me right. is being genuine always mm -hmm. and not faking anything. The more you fake stuff, the more yeah, don't ever it's, it's not ever going to get you anywhere. 100%. And yeah, it's, it's really important to be genuine. And, you know, it's also kind of, you know, allowed me to, to maintain a, you know, healthy, not distance, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like kind of, uh, kind of keeping my, keeping my personal, like the, my, my personal internal things within myself. Uh -huh. And not to say that I don't want to share things with people. No, right. I'm, I'm just open enough to the point that I don't ever think about things that I hide, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I got you, man. Yeah. What are a couple questions you wish people would ask you, but no one ever asked? Ooh, I don't know. I guess maybe you know. I I don't always. I I guess I I guess part of the reason that I kind of have trouble answering a question like that as well is if there's something that I want to say or feel like needs to be said I will say it mm. that's kind of part of my personality is I'm not ever I'm not ever going to hold back um unless I feel that that it's necessary in that moment and yeah. you know it really depends depends on the interaction that I'm having um you know people don't I'd say like I'd say I get asked the same questions over and over again and then there's certain people that will you know kind of be able to avoid those questions that i tend to you know kind of vibe better with and mm. those are the people that really you know get me to answer the questions that i'm not i'm not normally asked i would say i would say maybe oh i got a perfect question uh, what's a question that you don't normally get asked? That is definitely one that I don't normally get asked. <laughs> you can cut that out. That was so cringy. <laughs> We're gonna keep that in because that's raw and authentic. Oh man, yes. Yeah. Very. Um, <laughs> no, I think <laughs> that's good stuff. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I think just kind of. I don't really ever. I don't really ever talk about you know my. Um, I guess I don't talk about my dog all that much and I absolutely love my dog. He's, yeah. he's my, my best friend in the whole world. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't, I'm not a huge, I like social media, um, but I'm not really a big Instagram guy. So yeah. I think kind of the visual medium, um, is not really my, that's not really my area of, uh, preferred 
um, you know, social expression, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, post all the time about that, but I'd say that's probably something that not everybody knows. Sometimes I'll like, you know, bring my dog somewhere and people are like, you have a dog? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have a dog. He's, he's on my Instagram somewhere. That's funny. But, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Think about that common question. What's the, what's the common question people always ask? Um, it really depends on the context, you know, uh, the, the question that I most got asked kind of, you know, growing up is, you know, what's it like growing up as Tim Daggett's son? Mm. And yeah. And, you know, for those of you that, that don't know, um, so my dad, his name is Tim Daggett. He is a Olympic gold medalist, uh, from the 1984, uh, men's gymnastics team. Um, and he's, also pretty well known now as, uh, you know, kind of the voice of gymnastics, uh, does commentary on NBC sports for all the Olympics and any gymnastics event that you will see, um, other than, you know, maybe a couple college meets here and there, but he does a couple of those too. Um, I'd say that's definitely the question that I got, that I got asked more than anything growing up. Um, and it got, it got old, you know, it's, it's something I, I answer it pretty much the same way almost every single time. It's like, well, he's my dad and he's my dad. So yeah. that's pretty much, it's kind of, you know, it, it's not, it's not like anything. It's like, what, what's it like growing up with your dad as your dad? Mm. Well, he's my dad. It's, you know, he was my coach and that was a hard thing that we did. It was, it was really hard. We did it for, you know, pretty much probably 16 years yeah. and there was a lot of moments where neither of us really wanted to keep going and still do it, but we were able to push through the the tough moments. And there's something, there's something really special about being able to go through that experience with your dad, like the father son coaching relationship. It's, it's something it's incomparable to any other sort of, you know, athlete coach relationship. And mm. it, it's something that it will always be really special to me. That, yeah. And I'm glad that we were able to do it as successfully as we were until I went off to college. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. I, I did know about yeah. that. And I do know that he's a gold medalist, but mm-hmm. that's for another podcast. Maybe I'll bring him on, but this podcast yeah. is strictly about you. So I didn't want to really talk yeah. about you. Thank dad. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. However, though, maybe you should write about your relationship with your dad growing up and how, challenging it, it mm-hmm. could be because i i hear about it all the time from coaching soccer because i coached boys and pedal soccer for a long time and they're like oh yeah my dad was my rec coach man he was my coach when i was 10 years old at 12 and i didn't like and i think that's natural mm-hmm. you know you're it's it's a little different level because your dad's a gold medalist and you're a high profile three-time national champion gymnast on a high profile university too so that's dude. That's another level. So it'd be interesting to you know throw it out there, man. Yeah, I write think, a post about it. Yeah, I, it's definitely something that I that I've been wanting to do. Good. Um, I definitely want to write something about that. You know, because it's it's first off, I mean, I I need. I feel like I have always wanted to have a way to you know truly say thank you to my dad mm. like that, and you know, kind of go into a little more detail about it. Um, you know, and. Obviously, whenever I do go and write that, there's going to be a lot of parts that I will probably cut out of there and, you know, specifically share with him just because, you know, it is something special that yeah. there, not everything needs to be shared. Um, but right. there's definitely some things that I, you know, could share from my personal experience mm-hmm. um, with others who may be 
you know, in that same sort of, yeah. you know, father, son, mother, daughter, whatever it is, mm -hmm. parent to child coaching relationship that might be able to help give people some clarity on, yeah. you know, on both ends, not just as, as the athlete, but also as the coach, you know, because it's really easy to, you know, hear the same things from your son or daughter over and over again and, and be like, yeah, yeah. But when you kind of hear it from a different perspective and you hear it from the perspective of somebody who's already gone through the entire process, it might right. help people, you know, see the, the error in their ways and help, you know, improve those, those relationships that are so important. Yeah, man. Cause there's, there's truly nothing that at the end of the day, if it's compromising on your relationship, to a point that you feel like it could not be repaired, then that's, then that's a point that you either have to make a major change or you have to end it. Mm. Because if there, if there's a point to where, you know, and don't get me wrong, there were definitely points in the journey with me that I, that I didn't want to do it anymore, that I felt like our relationship was so damaged, yeah. but there was always you know, we would, we would work it out. We would figure it out between us. It would be, you know, it, it would take time. Yeah. It's not easy, but we would figure out the best way to move forward with it. And, right. you know, sometimes that might've been, you know, him not coaching me quite as much for a little bit and, right. you know, others that might've been, uh, you know, a change in my attitude yeah. because it's, it's a two way street. It's not, it's never just the coach and it's never just the athlete. It's yeah. a, it's a two way relationship and it's a two way, two way road. Man. All the way. Yeah. I love it, dude. If there's such thing as a perfect answer that that was freaking awesome. Thank you. Well done, man. <laughs> I, I felt like that was from the heart. Man. Yeah. It's a good stuff. Thank man, you. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Um, I want to be remembered as, as someone who, who, who just came in, played the game of life, enjoyed the journey, and was able to positively affect the lives of all that I was able to encounter. And it's an, in, it's, it's an impossible goal because nobody's able to positively, positively impact the life, the life of every single person that they come in contact with. But, you know, that's, that's something that I really want to, you know, as I go through this process with Responflow and with, you know, future ventures that I might do, I really want to, you know, kind of hit on this, hit on this premise of I am of, of reciprocity in the companies that I have and being able to improve the wives, experiences, whatever of each individual person that I touch and being able to do it on a large scale. Mm -hmm. I want to build something that is, you know, incredible in scale and magnitude really could care less about money. I'm not a money guy at all. I, yeah. I like, I like cool cars, but that's about <laughs> it. I'm yeah. I, I really just want to, I want to build something cool with meaningful, meaningful relationships with meaningful people yeah. and, you know, affect, affect. I don't want to say, I don't want to say, you know, change the world or, you know, help the world become a better place because yeah. it, it's so cliche nowadays to hear someone talk about, you know, how they're going to make the world a better place by, right. you know, doing, doing <laughs> all these things. And, you know, while, <laughs> while my goals may be so, somewhat similar, I, I really, I really do mean that. And whether I'm able to, to achieve that or not is yet to be seen. Yeah, I will continue to do my best to, 
you know, not hurt people that I am, you know, touching with the both my, you know, with my personal relationships and through any, you know, ventures that I may have. Yeah. yeah. I love it, man. I, Thank you. You're genuine, dude. You're authentic. You. I appreciate you giving us the time to record a podcast with you. Yeah. I feel like we can actually have a pretty good friendship going Definitely. forward with this, Definitely. man. Because we've met a few times already. We've texted, tweeted. Uh, I've forwarded your story on to numerous friends. My Thank wife you. forwarded on to her friends in Denver, actually. That's, go, that's going through something similar through soccer. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, that's th- it's phenomenal. We'll put it in our link in the profile when we release your podcast on YouTube and on all the uh, podcast platforms. Awesome. So how do people get in touch with Peter Daggett, man? People can get in touch with me really, really easily. I always say it. It's our tagline for our company. Just text. It's easier. Just text me. It's easier. You can find my number on my LinkedIn profile. You can find it right on my Instagram. Um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to get in contact with me. Shoot me a message, shoot me a text, shoot me a DM, whatever. Um, I am at Peter Daggett on all platforms. Um, and you can check out RespondFlow on all channels as well. Um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, in- whatever. I might have said Instagram. Yeah, did I? Yeah. I don't know. I did, but we're on everything. <laughs> so yeah, go find us. Give us a follow. Uh, Respond flow. Um, and you know, if you are a small to mid sized business looking to improve your communication with your customers, give me a ring and I'll come set you up. I think we might be setting you up sometime yeah. pretty soon. We're today. gonna do this, man. All right. Yeah, we're all about it. So on Twitter, yes. your your handle is at Peter Daggett. Yes, and that's two G's, two T's. Yeah. So let's spell that out. So just yep. our listeners. P-E-T-E-R-D-A-G-G-E-T-T. And the respond flow is at respond flow? Yep. Okay. Respond flow, R-E-S-P-O-N-D-F-L-O-W. All right. Yeah. Well, look into the camera here. Yeah. Peter Daggett, do you approve this podcast? I do approve this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I would absolutely love to come back anytime you want to have me. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a catch up in conversation about this in a few months see what you're doing how your story's going with your dad respond flow pass forward i mean this this isn't in here man yeah that sounds great thank you so much absolutely my name is wong lamb and i definitely approve this podcast all right thanks man appreciate you man appreciate you that was great i truly hope you enjoyed this podcast if you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share please reach out to me I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today every day make someone smile my name is wong lamb and i approve this podcast